This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Your packed auto insurance, Cleveland Browns, Locked On Browns postgame show. After a 27-13 defeat in Foxborough at the hands of the New England Patriots, Jeff Lloyd, Browns Maven's own, Pete Smith, your local experts along for the biggest rise. Uh, biggest story, Cleveland Browns-wise, <clears throat> for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, look, uh, you know, absolute just, you know, t- this start with absolute joke. And, and I guess we'll just go right to it here, Pete, into this. Um, with this, everybody, and look, you know, if you're upset with Freddie Kitchens, and look, there are some reasons to be upset with Freddie Kitchens. There's no doubt about that. Um I, I, we'll get to the reasons to be upset here in a second. But for me, Pete, look, uh, you know, you get down a quick 10 nothing. Nick Chubb tears. Uh, why, and, and you, how do you get down 10 nothing? Joel Batonio gets taken out and accidentally kicks the ball out of running back's hands. It goes for a touchdown. You come back. Nick Chubb takes it 60 yards. Sadly, gets the ball punched away. Next thing you know, you turn around and you're in a blitzkrieg. It's 17 nothing. None of that has anything to do with Freddie Kitchens, Pete. No, I mean, there's a lot of things that are either were either bad luck or, you know, things that are not, you know, on the head coach. Odell Beckham getting a false start at receiver is inexcusable. It just can't happen. Your receiver, you can look at the ball. Um, him dropping that ball, which is right to him, is a perfect pass. You know, you, you can't put that on, on coaching. Or if you're, if you're going to say it's all lack of discipline, then you're, you're, you're basically, uh, you know, you're, you're unwilling to sort of put blame where it lies on that. There's a lot of things that I think Freddie Kitchens did poorly in this. Uh, I thought his use of ch- challenges were egregious. Um, I thought both challenges were, were done the second he made them, and it was almost like he was trying to make a point rather than trying to win the game. Uh, you know, that's not offensive pass interference but they made the call and they're not going to change it. I mean, that that's the Patriots offense. <laughs> uh, that's they, it's they, a lot they, of people's they, offense. Yeah. They run rub routes nonstop uh, and, and don't get called for it. And I think in some parts, uh, the Browns commit a lot of penalties and they get a reputation for committing a lot of penalties. So it makes it easier to throw flags on them for, you know, close calls like Richard Higgins getting called for offensive pass interference was embarrassing. That wasn't offensive person, offensive pass interference. Now, were the Browns that was over officiating at that point? I mean, the game was well in hand. It almost seemed like, well, you're really watching this tightly the where you decided you were going to toss that one. Yeah, I mean, look, it wasn't going to save. Um, it wasn't going to save the game to get that call right. Um, and I don't think penalties are why the Browns lost. It, it's entirely about turnovers and it, it just it's so frustrating because like you you come out and you're running the ball really well and you're doing all these things really well and, and you get a couple fluke turnovers and uh you know the Patriots obviously get a free touchdown off one and 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 you know are up 17-0 you know it, it feels like the game hasn't even started yet and they're already down 17 and 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 it sort of invalidates the point and I think in some ways it almost made it worse that the Browns sort of got back into it um, because then it was like, you know, you got to sort of hate those mistakes all over again uh, because they, they got back ripping into the it. scab they, off they of got, them. Yeah. 
Yeah, they they got they got to seventeen ten into the half uh, or heading to the half, and 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 they, if they could have gotten some points out of that last drive before the half, I think there really would have been a lot of momentum going for it. They come out uh, and they and they move the ball right down the field in the in the second half, uh, and and you know they're they're in, they're in position uh, to to sort of make it a game again, and they they have to settle for that field goal. It, it's those are the mistakes that, that kill you. Um, I here's the thing. I was really happy with Baker Mayfield in this game. Um, I thought he was really good. Other than his, that, his tempo, that, his tempo. He played with a much better tempo today. Right. Like other than that, that the wing counter. And look, you can hate that play call all you want. You've all been begging for those play calls. You've all been saying, where is everything that we saw last year from Freddie? My only issue is, in the pouring rain, let's not go Harlem Globetrotter-ish, all right? Well, yeah, I mean, look, the the way it happened was sort of fluky. Um, you know, the, the, the defensive end pinched as mm-hmm. Justin McRae uh, pulled, and all of a sudden he's right in the backfield where the mesh point's supposed to happen. And my problem is with that play, it, it seems like Nick, the, the Chubb action is supposed to freeze the defensive end, and it didn't because he was pre-snap assigned to go pinch. So he's right on the ball. You didn't see it. Like people are saying, well, they, 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 they knew the play call. No, it just happened to be that they ran pinches. They were trying to run this, and the ball hits the dude in the face, and he catches it. Um, again, you know, that that's a play where Freddie Kitchens gets – crushed and not unfairly but those are plays that have worked in the past and been sort of a spark and things people like so it just happens to in some ways it feels like Freddie Kitchens even when he's right is wrong because it it just seems like things sort of happen but you know then then you follow that up with with you know stupid challenges that aren't going to work some bad timeouts and some decisions that that make you Look, look bad. I mean, here's the thing. It, it, like that fourth and 11 that became fourth and 16, that people are going to eat, dine out on that for months. Uh, the fact that he intentionally oh, yeah. took the uh, penalty to get fourth and 16 to go for it. And again, it's not unfair, but I'm just saying like, those are things where you get yourself in trouble anyway. Um, yeah. But again, I, that's I, when, when we talked about this a little bit. Last year with him, it's trying to get a little bit too cute. That was that was a huge example of it. Right. Um, yeah, I thought Baker Mayfield played well. Other than that, and the ball where he misread coverage uh, on what looked like a scissors concept, uh, where he was trying to throw it into the corner, and Stephon Gilmore was sitting there uh, and dropped it. You know that. Other than that, he made a lot of really nice throws and good reads, and was able to move the ball. Uh, I I, I fully expect his uh, his quarterback rating is going to be the highest of any quarterback that's played the Patriots so far in that weather, in that situation, all those things. And he was better. Uh, you know, I, I hate that they lost, but I do really feel like he took a step forward. Um, I thought Jamie Gillen played well. I thought he was a big factor in that one. Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon were unbelievable, just dominated the whole game and were just, tremendous from start to finish, like in terms of how to play the game and understand that those positions, they were great. And they each got a sack apiece. They were certainly better than that. Olivier Vernon had a big tackle for loss, among other things. He's just 
outstanding. And it, it, again, you know, even you see these positive things and it's like none of it matters because the Browns lost and everything's going to be about Freddie Kitchens. And he has to answer those questions and they're not unfair. And the problem is you're going to run into is now it's all about what well, we, they've got to fire kitchens and all that. Um, again, I, I never thought two and five was out of the realm of possibility. Uh, you know, I, I still think they can make the playoffs, but the next game and the following game and the following game, like all of those become must wins. You have no room for error anymore. You've got to run off a series of wins and, you know, you've got the Denver Broncos who are coming off yet another loss. Uh, against the Indianapolis Colts in, in crunch time. Um, you know, that that's – it's not an easy game, but it's certainly a winnable game, and it's one you have to go win. And if you go uh, and, and run off a couple wins, assuming they let him get there, I don't I don't imagine the Browns are going to be so insane as to pull the plug on him right now. Uh, so, you know, this would be the type of game where you could see it happen. Uh, but if – the Browns fire Freddie Kitchens at the end of this season or whenever, you're going to hear two things. Mike McCarthy and you're going to hear uh, Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz, when uh, when uh, John Dorsey came in initially, he was assembling a staff with, with Jim Schwartz as the head coach and some really underwhelming assistants, including Bill Musgrave as his offensive coordinator. Oh. Uh, which when when they were talking when they when they when they got rid of uh, uh, when they were when they were coming in they were thinking of getting rid of Q and keeping Sashi at that point and that was sort of the package they were coming in with and then obviously this past offseason there was interest uh, between the Browns and Mike McCarthy that ultimately didn't come to fruition opting to go with Freddie Kitchens but if you're saying to me well the Browns should fire Freddie Kitchens and then they should hire Matt Eberflus or Lincoln Riley first, you know, Lincoln Riley's not coming here. I, I, there's just, I cannot. I'm imagine. telling you right now, the only way he is leaving the sideline, sidelines in Norman, Oklahoma is to go to the star and go to the Dallas Cowboys. It's that that's the move you make because you don't need to leave college. He's making a boatload of money. He'll be in line for a, another extension, whether it's not this off season, next off season, it's Dallas or or bust for a guy like that. Uh, well, I don't, I don't, you know, I know he's been connected there because he's allegedly, you know, grew up a Cowboys fan. I think he's quite content to stay in Oklahoma and keep winning, young kids and all that. But that's un- unimportant. But you're asking yourself, John Dorsey's going to get one shot at this, assuming, uh, you know, they 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 do move on from Freddie Kitchens. His, you're you're suggesting he's going to get one more shot at this, and he's going to take another first-year head coach or a college coach and promote them to this level? No way. He's going to go the exact opposite because what every team does. And they're going to go with the veteran and the retread. That means Mike McCarthy, and that means Jim Schwartz. Those are the quote-unquote safe guys. And those aren't the right answers either. I mean, I'm not saying they can't be, but the issue with both those guys for me is the staffs they hire that come with them. The big thing with um, – with Freddie Kitchens is he hired a great staff and there's no denying that they have a very good staff. Uh, one of the issues I have though, is everything's being put on Freddie Kitchens, uh, which, you know, you're the head coach. That's what happens. But everybody's acting there, or I should say a lot of people are acting like, well, if you just get Freddie Kitchens out of the way, Todd Munkin will be great. Todd <laughs> Munkin owns some of this stuff. You know, th- some of these things are on Todd Munkin. 
he's coming up with the game plans along with Freddie. And by the way, most of the time they're work, they're right. They just turn over the ball. Uh, but he's in the headset aiding with play calls. Like these are guys who are doing these things. And it's not like, you know, there, there's this sense where like Todd Munkin's in some isolation booth until the game's over waiting, waiting to find out what happened. He's in there. He's part of this whole thing. Uh, I think Steve Wilkes, for the most part, has done a good job. Some of the soft zone stuff drove me nuts, but they mixed it up. Uh, and defense isn't why they lost this game. But there's just a lot with this uh, that, that, you know, there, there are any number of things you can blame on Freddie Kitchens, a ton of them. But none, none of this is 100% of Freddie Kitchens. There's a lot of issues that, that get to, have to be solved. And, you know, you can – no one move is going to do it. And here, just, I mean, for me to just put it – yeah, look, the – the stuff, like first off, getting pissed off with the officials, getting warned that you're too close to the field, then you know both times. Uh, I mean, it, it, look, it, Tony Romo is in a booth for a reason. He is so, so close to this and so you know not far removed from being a player. No, you're not going to get that call. And then you literally have the booth telling you, well, they have not reviewed the last 22 pass interference penalties. They have not changed one of them. It seems like this is going away. Um, it's just something that they're not even going to entertain anymore. And then here comes a red flag again, which bites you in the ass because then, you know, you know, towards the end of the half, you're down in timeouts. Towards the end of the game, you're down in timeouts. And, you know, there was Romo. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that's something you could review. Oh, it's too freaking late, Tony. The Ben Watson catch. Oh, I, maybe you want to take a peek at that one. You can't. You already burned it up. You're, you know, you, even if you want to review things, you got to save stuff for your back pocket late in the game especially when you're trailing, which they were. I mean, unless it's obvious and you got to go for it, you got to burn it to save, you know, whatever. But it was, you were behind. Um, you, you were hoping to rally late in the game. You've got to leave some stuff in your pocket. That's where Freddie's having an issue. The double-digit penalties, that's not Freddie's fault. And if you want to say, oh, well, it's player discipline, da 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 Freddie didn't bring in the players. So, yes, it is, it is player discipline. And it's absolutely egregious that an offensive player commits a false start you know what the count is you know it, it almost anybody except there's everybody knows where the ball is you're able to see it it's it, it's just it's pointless it's it's lazy and you know what it is it becomes contagious because once now there's one now there's two now there's three nobody else gives a crap now there's six now there's seven who the hell freaking cares at that point but those things you cannot put on freddie these guys are paid professionals part of their job is snapping you know, in accordance with the snap, it's it's embarrassing to have this many of them. It, it gets to be a joke. Uh, the fourth and eleven, the fourth and sixteen. Yeah, I mean, look, you want to hang your hat on something, but uh, they were already losing. I mean, are you going to fire them over that? Uh, the turnovers that is not Freddie's fault. There's nothing. I mean, what is he supposed to do? And look, I mean, if we're all you know, oh, you got to get rid of Freddie. The turnovers is this a Nick Chubb norm? Like all of a sudden now, Nick Chubb is this massive fumbler. Look, man. I mean, look. He, he's not having a great run, and yes, the team is two and five. But they're hanging the whole sh- shooting shebang on Freddie Kitchens right now. Some of this has got to put on these players. They they've got to execute. They've got to catch passes. Um, and like you said, the defense uh, held New England today to two point nine yards per carry. Uh, Tom Brady, sixteen incompletions, threw for less than two hundred and forty yards. I mean, the only wow ball I think he threw today where I was like, wow. Well, actually, it was the Watson one, and then it was the one to Dorsett early. Uh, it was really nice to see Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward back. Denzel Ward gets that interception early. Maybe it changes some things because, you know, obviously that's when Nick started on his run. 
But, you know, look, I mean, we're going to get to some more here, obviously. Uh, got some things we do got to do, but obviously more coming here with uh, Jeff Lloyd and Pete Smith on Lockdown Browns. Don't forget, you are probably paying way too much for your car insurance. But why pay for your car when you are not using it, whether it's the weekends or whether you commute during the week? Pause coverage when you don't drive and control how much you save. That's savings on demand with Pact Insurance. You can find them at pactauto.com, P-A-C-T-A-U-T-O.com, pactauto.com. Download the app, get a quote within 90 seconds. Look, guys, I mean, everybody's looking for more money. Well, if you can't get more money, one of the best things to do is maybe save yourself some money. Appreciate the folks over at Pact Auto for their sponsorship of Locked On Browns. Pete, uh, you know, Nick, obviously the fumbles, I mean, crucial, killer. But again, it's, you know, and it's, we seem to do this almost every week. It's nice to sit down and just talk about what a special player he's becoming. And I didn't even know the part where he showed up in New England last year to see a playoff game wearing Sony Michelle's jersey. That's how close those guys are. He's just, I mean, he's the guy you want on your team. He's literally the kid you would like your son to be. Just a special player, special individual. I'm sorry, say that again? They're talking about Nick Chubb, and obviously, you know, they, they told the story about where he went to the playoff game, but just the player he is, I mean, it's the player you want playing for you. It's just the type of guy, you know, if you have a son, you want him to be like Nick Chubb. So, okay, so the first quarter was equal parts angry and like sorrow mixed together because like on the one hand it's infuriating to see him fumble those plays uh those back-to-back plays especially after the second one when they're down by like the five yard line and the ball pops out and and he's just you know he he just walks off the field because he's so you know beyond fed up with himself at that point and like you're you're infuriated and the other part is you're just like you feel awful for him because he is so good and he was down there by the and you're just like you know it's just such a mix of pissed off unhappy you know how do they get in this situation all these things and you know there's nowhere to put it and that that was sort of the look he had on his face and you know they 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 had every opportunity to sort of get right back in that game and respond and you know that was the thing is that they, like they they give up that touchdown and like there's this feeling of oh man this is going to get ugly and they punch right back on that very next play and that's sort of the response you know that's what happens and it just feels like all this all this effort is in vain um look it, it when it comes to Nick Chubb uh, and you know, if I had, you know, if I have a running back that fumbles in a key situation, I, you know, I would, I, I and I have, I would tell them the same thing I told Nick Chubb. I'm going to give you the ball every, every time I can down there. That that's, I'm not going to freaking bail on you or anything else. You're going to get the ball every time because that's the level of faith uh, we have in you. But it doesn't change the fact that it just sucks in the moment. There's not much you can do. Now, Nick Chubb came back and and continue to play well. And he's the most successful running back to play the New England Patriots this uh, season. There's, you know, there's no getting around that. Baker Mayfield is the highest rated quarterback. I haven't seen the actual number yet, but there's no way he is. And I think their average thus far is like 36.5. He's way above that. Um, was the best quarterback to play them this season. And, 
you know, you have all those things working. They're playing historic levels of defense. And you get all these things, and you turn over the ball, and you lose. And, you know, it, 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 the moral victories are tiring. And, and there's, you know, what, what, what do you do with them? You, you just, at some point, it's got to happen. And, 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 and I haven't actually watched the presser, but just seeing some of the clips from Freddie Kitchens, like I wanted, you know, again, equal parts. I want to choke him, the life out of him uh, and squeeze <laughs> the life out of his eyes. On the other hand, he's not wrong. The Browns do have to go out and win uh, the games that they're supposed to win. And there's nine left of those. There are. They can win those games and be right back in it. And, and he said the same thing about Nick Chubb. He's going to give him the ball every time because you think Nick Chubb is great. Uh, and he is. And you're, you, you know, but, the, you know, the right answers and all those things, like he's not a satisfying interview in the press conference guy anyway. Uh, but, you know, the, those answers wear thin. And, and at, at some point, uh, you know, when, when you're saying blame me, blame me, blame me, blame me, everybody's going to be like, okay, you're fired. And that's where we're at right now is with a lot of people. And I, I don't know where the, the Browns front office and uh, ownership is, but I expect they're not happy. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not the fact that they're losing. It's the way they're losing. Uh, and the way that they're sort of, you know, putting you into this point of despair before you even have a chance, like you're down 17, nothing. And the game has barely even started. Like that's, it's not like they, you know, you made a, a, you know, it's not even like the Titans game where you had the three interceptions in the fourth quarter, you were in this massive hole from, from the word go. And you're, you, you've got, you're basically saying, okay, let's shovels out, let's do this. And it's, it's hard to play that way. It's hard to win that way. And especially when you're playing against, you know, a team this good. So it, it's, it's so frustrating because the game plans were right. They knew what they had to do. They were going to run the shit out of Nick Chubb. He was going to keep pounding the rock and they did. I, you know, uh, here's the thing, like the Browns came out and passed. I know a lot of people were infuriated by that. And, and, and on some level I was initially, Yep. But they weren't having problems throwing the ball through that weather. Like Baker Mayfield was good. Like I was worried that it was going to be issue an issue for him passing in the in, in, in that weather. But he was more effective than Tom Brady was for the first couple quarters. He was nine of nine in the second quarter. Yep. He was really good in the second half. Tom Brady made some unbelievable throws, uh, like the one to Ben Watson, where you know, it, it, like Mac Wilson had tremendous coverage like he was right where you wanted him to be and then the ball just fits in there perfectly and you're just like you know what can you do at that point but overall you know and, and you know, some of this is Tom Brady's 42 and his offensive line sucks it's worse than the Browns by far even with Justin McCray and Chris Hubbard who aren't good and yet Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback on the field in this one Nick Chubb was the best running back on the field in this one and they should have had total control of that game with the way Chubb was running and they didn't and that's you know, again, I think part of the reason this is so infuriating is, you know, most people go right to the head coach and I understand where you get that reaction, uh, but it, it's not that simple. And at the same time, you don't know where to put it all. And you just, you just sort of throw your hands up and just say, just win the damn game, just win a game. Give me a reason to sort of believe in this. You, you can say uh, you shouldn't fire him. You shouldn't do this or that, but at some point, and I'm not an advocate of firing him seven games in. He's got to get a 16, and then we can make that decision. But I understand every bit of the 
anger today. And, and at some point you got to produce and that's, that's just what it is. And he knew coming in, this, this was the expectation he was coming in. It wasn't like it's a surprise, you know, Freddie Kitchens, you're the head coach, by the way, surprise, you're supposed to win this season. That, that was the, that was the deal. And you know, that's, that's what has to happen. Uh, it, 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 look, I mean, you, know, you may have gotten the most difficult head coaching assignment of the Cleveland Browns since the return. Congratulations, but this is kind of where it's at. Uh, but the, the players got to get in line. I mean, you've got to make the plays that are there that are had there to be had. And it sucks to see a guy like Nick who will break over backwards to do everything for him to have, you know, a couple of things. My only thing was, you know, you get – New England to punt on the first possession. Fantastic. You come with three you come with three pass plays. Look, if you think Nick is going to be your guy, give Nick the ball. Um, if you think that's how you're going to set it, and we had talked about this for the pregame show, I apologize, guys, that you never got. Uh, we had issues last night, and I had a bunch of nonsense going on today before the 4.30 kickoff. But maybe you should have started with Nick on that first uh, on that first series. Maybe things were a little different. Maybe you had a chance to set the tone yourself. Um, yeah, but you make the amount of turnovers they made. Independently, it's going to come back to kill you. Uh, we'll get to some closing here and some other things. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm going to get to one thing here. Pete's going to sneak one thing in here. And we'll just give you a little bit more. And, you know, look, we're on to Denver. And it's, look, there's nine left. You know, you're talking seven, two. You, you're talking eight and one. We'll get to all of that stuff. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes. The secret to longer-lasting sex. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL, all caps, no space. Pete's going to tell you about the fine folks over at Blue Chew. Yeah, uh, especially after a day like uh, – after a game like this one, uh, I would encourage you to find a positive outlook, and maybe the folks at Blue Chew can help you out with that. Uh, as uh, maybe maybe you can pull out a win uh, on a day like today where ugh, just awful. But on the on the plus side, I suppose for there are a few people who are basically like done after about ten minutes and found something else to do with their afternoon or evening uh, to try to make up for it. But anyway, uh, blue chew—that's like the color blue. Uh, trying to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Uh, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved act- active ingredients as Viagra and Salas, so you know they work. Uh, you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, uh, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. They'll help you out with uh, in terms of shipping and making it easy to get a prescription. Uh, you can plug in the promo code locked on, uh, and they'll help you out on that end, but uh, yeah. Maybe you can uh, rally, so to speak, better than the Browns did and uh, make it, make a better night out of it. And make sure you don't fumble. That's also a key one, too. Thanks to the folks over at Blue Chew for the sponsorship on the Lockdown Network. Pete, uh, I, well, I guess you know, we you have to address this here a little bit. Uh, trade deadline, obviously, less than 48 hours from now. I see Rashard Higgins as a almost a protector on kick return that concerns me um you still carry 12 defensive backs on this team what do you think what do you what, what would what would you think would happen more people move off the roster or they actually bring something in 
trade deadline wise, I, I, again, uh, unless they want to bring in like a tight end, uh, I don't really see much point. And Demetrius Harris played well, uh, at least as a receiver. Go figure that the guy who can't catch to save his life just suddenly had sticky hands in the freaking monsoon in Foxborough. Uh, he was good. I was I was amazed at that. Um, I fully. So was our friend down in Houston. So yeah, was our friend down look, in Houston. Listen, Darren Fells is just, <laughs> you don't let playmakers walk out the door like that. And yet here we are. Um, yeah, it would not surprise me at all if, you know, they make some desperate, worthless trade for an offensive tackle that won't help the issue. The answer is not here. It's not going to be here until after the season. Um, you know, and, and the offensive line wasn't a problem today. Uh, that's not the, which, but this is, again, with Freddie Kitchens, this drives me nuts. The game plan was right. Like, they crushed it. We were looking at the Jets game going, oh, my God. How are the Browns even going to get move the ball at all? And they did easily. And it's yep. just like, what are you doing? Uh, they do so much right. And then just, uh Anyway, so, you know, Justin McCray wasn't the answer. He's not going to be the answer. Maybe if Kendall Lamb's healthy, they'll throw him in there. I don't think benching Greg... Robinson got you any closer to the answer, but I don't think the answer is bringing in a fifth string tackle from the Philadelphia Eagles and giving up an asset to do it, whether that's, you know, reportedly somebody like TJ Carey or, you know, a draft pick, either case, I'd rather get something more useful um, out of those things. So it's, it's, you know, I, I think to me, unless you're selling off a piece and even then that's, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think the you have who you have, and and that that may not look. I, I think that may be part of the problem is this whole feeling that like, and I'm not. This is not an excuse for players by any stretch, but I don't think it helps that there's always this sort of cloud over them that somebody's always going to be you know sort of on the move, uh, and and I you know maybe it just happened to be weirdly. Uh, the way it was reported in, in timing of events, but like the way Greg Robinson came out and said he was benched, having just come from John, John Dorsey, raises some weird questions. Like, who benched him? I mean, it, I, I, was it as simple as uh, Freddie Kitchens told him he was benched, and then John Dorsey was essentially giving sort of his his status with the team and maybe a little bit of pep, pep talk, or or did Dorsey essentially bench him, which is its own you know, issue, you know, is because he was, you know, the one who's linked to all these trades. I, I don't know, but I don't think that helps the situation. Again, you have to go out there and you have to do your job, but I, I, I can't help but wonder if the Browns have had so much movement that there's always, there's a feeling of a, you know, we're not really a team because we're all, somebody's always coming and going. And on some level, everybody, that's always the case. What, and B, um, you know, the idea that it almost doesn't matter if I play well here because I'm going to get shipped off anyway. And again, not excuses, but nevertheless, things that I, I think could be playing a role here is, is when you're constantly hammered with, well, they might do this, this, and this, uh, you know, throwing out various names. And, and, and the Browns haven't really done any of these things, but nevertheless, it's just like, one more thing that's on your mind as you're, as you're trying to get righted that you're sitting there worrying about where, what your future is, whether it's this team or any other team. So 
there's some questions I think John Dorsey has to answer, and he's not going to have to answer until he either pulls the trigger on firing Freddie Kitchens or the end of the season uh, because he got shitty questions at the at the uh, at the break, unfortunately, or at least some of them were. So yeah, uh, yeah, that was a thorough waste of time, absolute waste of time. You, you get this guy twice a year, and, and this is I mean it was patty cake session. It was bullshit. Um, my only thing with the you know, where Greg Robinson talked about it. You know, with about John Dorsey, I, I'm just wondering if John gave him a heads up, like, look, hey, and I had mentioned this on the show, guys, with Stephen Thomas, was maybe that, hey, look, you know, you've done a lot to resurrect your career here. We're thankful for it. We're maybe going to go a different direction here now. It doesn't mean your career is over. Maybe, you know, and just keep in mind, maybe people could be calling on you come Tuesday. Just look, this is where we're at. Maybe you have greater value somewhere else. Just something to know. But um, as to who actually benched Greg Robinson, yeah, it's a really good question. And if any one of these crappy beaters in Cleveland would like to ask somebody that, that's a question we'd like to know. That Those are ones we would like to ask. So put your feather in your cap, guys, and maybe ask that one. Pete, uh, we've been talking about this one. We got to see a good amount of Wyatt Teller today. It seemed like they were rotating at right guard, which is – Weird. It's beyond weird. Um, but I think I saw enough in what I saw of Wyatt Teller today. Obviously, there'll be more once, you know, all 22 and that stuff is available. Uh, I, I think the, the Kush experience experience is done. You're going to go these last nine games and Wyatt Teller is going to be your right guard. I certainly hope so. Um, I, I Again, you know, all these people tell me I don't criticize Freddie Kitchen. I hated the idea they were rotating guards. I mean, I, I hate that's that. bad. It's it, it, it's it's um, you just, there's positions you do it at running back, wide receiver. You make a commitment on the offensive line, and it, it's such a position where you have have a flow, and you can, look unless you're dinged up or whatever, or you need medical attention. You need every rep in you know play all the years I played, man, and I had a lot of respect for those guys because it, it's not a fun gig. It's basically get your ass kicked to protect everybody else so everybody else can ball out. In, but rotating them, and, and like you, you get off the field, and there's actually plays going on with the offense. It's such a stupid way to do it with the offensive line because it's such a rhythm-based thing for your offensive line to succeed. So I, I, I hated the move, but I hated it for a different reason than you did. Okay. Um, I hated it because you had the whole bye week. Like – were you just splitting reps? I'm like, whether it was Eric Cush or my preference would have been Wyatt Teller, I think you should have just given them all the reps and just said, this is our dude, this is what we're going with. And, and obviously I would have preferred to just say, what, give it to Wyatt Teller at that point in the bye week. Uh, but either way, I, I don't think it's something you really do during the game. I, you know, I, honestly, I think, let's say it was like a short week, like after a Monday night, a Monday night game and they were unhappy with Cush. I could see – an argument, I, I, I'm not saying I would do it or I like it, but I could at least see an argument for a short week and saying, all right, we're not, we're not satisfied with this. We're going to go ahead and rotate and see, if, see if, if, if Wyatt Teller gets in a groove, we can let him go. But if not, you know, we can sort of work it in and out. is a Band-Aid. Let's be honest. Kush is a freaking Band-Aid. Oh, he is, uh, we lost our guard for three weeks. Hopefully Kush can hold down the fort and, and you know, not get our quarterback killed. Yeah. Um, and, and so again, it, it, to me, I'm more annoyed that it, it didn't feel like they were committed to a plan with there. I, I hope this is the end of Eric Cush as a starter. I think Wyatt Teller 
um, is is the better long term option. Um, I'm curious to see. But even you bought him. You might as well see whether or not you have solved the right guard issue going further. You paid, you know, not a lot, but you paid for Wyatt Teller. Obviously, with the thoughts you thought somewhere he could fill a hole here on this offensive line, you may as well because you know the Cush experiment. You know, everyone makes like, like make the Cush wee jokes. It's you know high whatever. He's just not good enough. And look, you don't have a backup center right now. So you tell Eric Kush, all right, you're our backup center for the rest of the season. And I pray to God you don't have to take a snap. So, again, this comes down to two things, which I don't love benching Justin McCray, but if you're saying we're going to go with Wyatt Teller and we're going to go with Justin McCray because we feel like this is the best way to get Nick Chubb more running room in the running game, then I again I get it like I get you know yep. Justin McCray is not a good pass protector he's just not and if you see the sack he he's gave up slow. he's back. he's uh, so slow he going backwards but if you're saying well he's a better run blocker and we yeah, want to but, get, I mean, but if you're saying this is what we want to become like we're, the rest of the season we want to become more of a running team so we're going to put White Teller out there we're going to put Justin McCray out there when Drew Forbes is ready to go we're going to put him out there because we believe. With those three and Betonio and Treader, we can move asses off the ball and get Nick Chubb going. And we believe the resulting play action will take care of some of the pass blocking uh, issues as opposed to sort of drop back and sort of play those guys in an island. Then I can at least say this is a direction, whether or not I agree with it, I at least understand the thought process. And that's, you know, we can always disagree with, with that. But at least it says we're doing this because of this, and, and we'll see what happens with it, and we're either going to succeed or fail. But at least that would be a, 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 a direction as opposed to what they're at right now. And hopefully that's where they go. Yeah, I mean, that, it's more of a brains and an approach process, more of a let's try this, let's try that. Uh, look, whatever. Look, defense, congratulations. Uh, solid day. I mean, I think, I think it was like 320 total yards. Put in some really, really bad positions, obviously. Um, again, um, it's great to have Denzel back. It's great to have Greedy back. You know, you see what these two can be long term. That's a positive thing to take away from today. The defense is on a whole, I you know, thought pretty pretty well what they did today. Baker, the rhythm, the timing, the quickness, the decision making seemed a lot, a lot better today. Nick, you've you've got one of the best running backs in the AFC. Enjoy every drop of it. Uh, as far as what will happen here in the next 48 hours trade deadline-wise, who knows? Um, look, I mean, you know, granted there was a whole bunch of gaffes and miscues. Um, you're certainly not the first team that's gone in there and lost by two touchdowns to New England, even though, you know, there was an opportunity where it, it shouldn't have been that. And that's – it's rough. It's but Look, you got nine left. Um, I think there is one team left. There's one team in this next nine games – that has a winning record on your schedule currently, go out, get shit done. Play like you're capable of playing. Do this. It's there to be had. Um, Look, you ran a, which looked like a more difficult schedule last year. They ran it well. That's that latter part of last year at two, five, and one. You're certainly capable of it. You have the talent. Go out there and do what this team is capable of. I know I keep saying this, but that's the part that's infuriating for me is because there's shit being left on the field because this team is better than what they're showing. That's the aggravating part. That's the frustrating part. Um, 
just, you know, firing Freddie's not going to change anything at this point. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, look, if that's what the popular thing is and there seems to be a huge faction of Twitter that wants to do that and go right down this rabbit hole. So we'll change the Jersey from all the last names of quarterbacks to a Jersey of all the last names of head coaches. He's been a head coach for seven games. He's never been a head coach anywhere else. Yeah, there's mistakes, um, but you guys are emphasizing and pumping up the wrong ones. And that's the part that gets a little frustrating for Pete and I. Pete, Browns Maven, where are we spinning this one? Oh, I, I'm i fully preparing to go freaking uh, make something sort of explaining my very, very tortured relationship with uh, Freddie Kitchens because I'm legit – I legit see both sides of it. Like I, I, on the one hand, I'm oh, sitting sure. here thinking, I, I, I'm legitimately sitting here going, man, he crushed in terms of dealing with the cover zero. You know, they, they, they had a great game plan in mind. Everything they wanted to do was there. And yet here we are like and all those things that came with it. So you, you're at the same time, you're sitting there going, you know, they absolutely completely killed Adam Gase and Sam Darnold. And I understand the Jets don't have as much talent, but they had no answer to the point where we're talking, you know, obviously we're talking about that Sam Darnold thing, which I, I don't think is a big deal, but nevertheless uh, where is a thing is we're talking about uh, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. Pretty kitchen or uh, Baker Mayfield never saw a ghost. The game plan was there. Like again, he was the best quarterback the Patriots have seen this year. And it, you know, it, 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 it's a moral victory. And those, those don't go very far when you're two and five. It's a great growth, growing, uh, growing moment for Baker Mayfield. But, you know, it, it, people don't see that when you lose. Now there's, um, there's no spot in the uh, building for the trophies of moral victories. And look, we're not in the realm of giving those out guys. So. But that part of it is what it is. Uh, you know, with this, you know, PFF show, you know, Twitter mailbag, we'll get to all this stuff. At underscore Pete Smith underscore is where you can follow the man. At Browns Maven on Twitter. Check it all out through the, uh, the you know, uh, SI.com. Uh, the show itself, at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Always follow back. DMs are open. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open over there, uh, over there as well. Uh, look, have patience. Be ready, guys. Denver in a week. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.